0: Hey, it's John Justice from My Nerd World, the Star Wars podcast, and I interrupt the Knights of Vader podcast because Zach was kind enough to let me do so. The third book in my science fiction space opera series, Embark, The Vanishing War, book three, is now available. So for those that haven't heard me before on this show or my show, here's a bit of what it's about. Um, The science fiction space opera epic is now complete. In the future, uh, car culture is replaced with air and space flight, and the world is at relative peace. When a global industrial apocalypse forces a planet-wide evacuation, a reluctant hero and the girl he loves and their ragtag group of pilot friends are the only ones that can stop a corporate madman from exploiting the disaster. So book three, Embark the Vanishing War, ends the story that started in book one with book two the treasure in darkness right there in the middle these stories are a cross between star wars uh, the fast and furious say anything and a little bit of ready player one with some 80s to 2000s nostalgia thrown in um i wrote these books for people that love movies which is why i usually equate movies to what you're going to find inside the the stories and i was really inspired by george lucas and I wanted to create my own universe, like the one that he created, that we all love and enjoy so much. So, uh, thank you for allowing me the moment to uh, a moment to disrupt the podcast. Uh, I just want to let you know that uh, book three came out on Thursday, and all three books are available at uh, Amazon.com in ebook, uh, paperback, and audiobook. The audiobook for the Vanishing War will be coming later in May. So if you want to pick up these stories, if you've read the first two and you enjoyed them, head on over to Amazon.com, uh, look for John Justice and Embark or you can just go to MyNerdWorld.net um, and these books are great for all ages from 11 years old to 100 years old. Um, I designed them very much along the same lines as Star Wars where um, kids and adults can enjoy them and this is great reading while you're all uh, stuck at home. So thank you Zach for, t- for letting me take a few minutes on the show. I really do appreciate it and um, I hope you'll uh, take the time to go pick up your copy of Embark, uh, Embark Book Two, Treasure in Darkness, and the just released Embark, The Vanishing War, uh, Book Three. Uh, have a great show, guys. Bye. One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader, including.
1: do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. You do. A big thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is April 26, 2020. My name is Zach Weber, and I am joined by the Zeng in Charge, Zenger. I read a book. Or audiobook, Dad. Yes, folks. You know what? We have groundbreaking news on this episode of Knights of Vader. Rob is no longer the only Knight of Vader that can read. There are at least one and a half of us now. Oh, audiobooks.
2: You'll never let me down. Except for now, when you did. And, <laughs> well, I guess we can talk about it. Yes. Oh, well, wait. Am I, am I showing my hand too quickly at what I thought of this?
3: Oh, boy. Because I have a very
2: it. good description of it if you wanted me to give that to you now, but...
3: Oh,
1: Sanger. Let's give the audience a little bit of a foreplay first. Let's make them wait a little bit. Um, All right, folks, on this week's episode, I know we probably should be talking about something, something Clone Wars, or Lord knows what else is happening. I know they're casting the Calrissian Endor series, and that's fine. Again, to each their own on that. But no, this week we are talking about a book that's been out for a month now. And we figured for a movie that I think everybody is over for the most part. And I read the book about. a couple weeks ago, I kind of strong armed Zenger into listening to the audiobook. Uh, d- yes.
2: Um, let me see. Oh, wait, that's The Force Awakens. Hold on. Wait, I had it pulled up on how exactly much of my life I had wasted. Uh, nine hours and 36 minutes of my life. I will never get back. How is this Ugh. rated four and a half stars?
1: Folks, Zenger does not like The Rise of Skywalker novelization. <laughs>
2: Well, I'll expl- I'll clarify certain things, and there's 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 reasons and things for stuff. I, but yeah, I
1: I got a lot of frustrated text messages. Yes, you the did. Last week, folks, I got a lot of frustrated text messages. Yes, you did.
2: It's- uh, I, I guess I can can can, can I get my early review?
1: Go for it, Zenger. Go for okay. it. Okay,
2: if if okay, I still enjoy Rise of Skywalker to an extent. By the way, as a side note, there is the episode of Zignus where Ellie gives her review, and there's some special guests, which I'm sure we brought about five more times during this episode. But I'm here. Here's the thing, Rise right? Skywalker. Okay, movie, Star Wars movie. Mm, that's it is what it is. This this book, in a time where we were low on toilet paper, came out at the exact right time to be toilet paper <laughs> because the book is being used to wipe up all the that the movie didn't cover. Sorry you have to edit that, Zach, but that is seriously my opinion. This book is toilet paper because all it's being used is to wipe up bull. But there's a kernel, there's a tiny corn kernel of an interesting thing that I wish the movie or anyone would have talked about more. Palatine was a clone? God dang it, no, we'll get <laughs> to it when we get to it. So... Oh, so you're, not gonna, you're not
1: going to give us a tease as to what this specific thing is?
2: I wish this person was in the movie more and they had more of their storyline going because I felt it was more interesting and had a more interesting thing that could have been a whole through line of this um, trilogy. But no, of course, since we have multiple writers and stuff, we didn't get that. Mm. So what you're saying is, saying is that
1: you want you want more of Palpatine's son, clone son. That's what you want more as a through line throughout all these movies.
2: Talk about throwaway stuff in this movie. In this book. <laughs> Whatever. I, it all uh, blurs together.
1: It all blurs together.
2: It does, because the book is basically, hey, here's, it's basically, here's the script with um stage directions, and we're just going to add stuff so fans can stop being angry. Because I was about a few minutes away from posting something, and this is something the book covers, and I, this is why I say, this book is used to wipe up all the b- the movie is i was sitting there and i'm like why the heck does chewbacca not get the falcon chewbacca deserves the falcon why does ray get the falcon this is bs chewbacca needs to get the falcon and i was gonna put up like a chewbacca deserved the falcon changed my mind and lo and behold as if the book knew the future or could read my mind somehow it went even when chewbacca was offered the falcon he gave it to ray i was like what level of bullcrap this is <laughs> that like it, it
1: somehow knew i was gonna say something and it's like nope stop him stop him right there but singer he got a consolation prize in the form of a medal from like
2: 30 plus years ago which it explains whose medal that is too which it does in a movie too to an extent but it's but yeah it actually explains the 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 whole backstory. Like I said, this is great, but it feels like this is like, just like fill in the gaps for the movie or (laughs) nerds have been bitching about this. Please write a book that covers it so that then when they watch the movie, they're like, no, this has to be part of the movie now.
1: Uh, I, I, Okay. I like the book. Um, I don't... Well, uh, okay, okay, one, one, one more thing. Sorry, Sorry Zach, go I'm going to cut go you off
2: ahead. with one more thing. The performance of the audiobook is okay, but it's like someone doing a terrible impression of all the characters. Basically, imagine me and, um, and, and Russ trying to do... Uh, like, going back and forth doing... Like, if you wanted us to do impressions of all the characters, it would be about the same even though Leia is not a heavy smoker as, but Kylo Ren, it just seriously is like, I'm I'm so angry. Like, but I mean, they do an amazing job with the, it has certified sound effects. Dio is actually voiced by the, the, they use the same program. So it has the robotic voice, all the sound effects there. So that's cool. But the guy trying to do a, his Poe is the one that gets me the worst is because it just <laughs> sounds like someone it's like do an impression of poe but act like you're not doing an
1: impression of poe hmm so yeah I never liked the audio um the audio books for Star wars i remember I think i listened i listened to two of them and i really or maybe three two maybe three and I never really liked them but but I, I i liked them
2: i i liked like the the other one i listened to the uh, lords of the Sith oh my gosh so good Yes, but once again it's not it's not the Script for the movie with all the directions put into it. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you earlier, Zach. I'll get more into why I hated this and
1: so on. Well, actually, obviously there's a lot to unpack with Sanger's uh, grievances with this. But I, I have more. I know. I bet you do. I know last month when we talked about it, like all the reveli- rev- yeah, the Rise of Skywalker novelization revelations. And we were kind of just laughing at it. And a lot. Again, now I we don't, live in fear of them. No, well, yes and no, but I think a lot of that feels like it was again forced into the book by somebody that wasn't the author, Ray Carson. I don't blame her for any of the wonky, just like trivia Star Wars like factoids. are just kind of lobbying here. It doesn't seem like something an author would do. That seems like weird, like notes that they would give to her, and they're like just just fit it in. It doesn't mean doesn't matter how. Again, definition of fitting a square peg into a round hole. And but. There's other things in this book that I really 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 like. Like there like the biggest thing in this book is like this book is like Raylo with a capital R. Like there is so yep. much Raylo in this. But the weird thing is that like at the end, like we've talked about like when it cam- comes to the kiss and it like describes the kiss is like one of compassion. It that entire like portion of the book where it's describing the kiss Runs contrary to everything else they've set up before that. Yep. Like, there is like legit sexual tension in the Kylo Ren Ray moments. Like, there's a moment, I've got to see if I can find it. Um, okay, I just, okay, folks, I guess when Zenger was teasing before that when we were, um, he was saying that, like, this week's episode of Nights, oh, not here. This week's episode of Zang This is a very special episode. We're going to play a clip for you at the end of this episode because it's that great, and I think you should all check out this week's episode of Zhang This. Um, it's Star Wars related. Some of the things like in this book, that just like it's so, so heavy. Like when it comes to like the sexual tension between Rey and Kylo Ren. Like at one point, like. When he grabs the wayfinder, when she drops it on the wreckage of the Death Star, it goes, another hand got there first, a larger black gloved hand. And it's like the fact that it says larger, I'm like, oh, like, oh, we're 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 going for this, aren't we? And then like they have moments, and this is like when they're after their duel or during their duel on the wreckage and the sea was boiling out right now with a rising tide as she raged against Kylo Ren, the force opened itself to her flooding her with new power. And I'm like, whoo, like, Oh man, like I got to start, like like I'm pulling my collar. I'm like waving my hand over my face. I'm like, gee, geez, like what's this book rated? It's like, what, what sort of like star Wars erotica am I getting myself into right now? Then there's even like the moment from, the The last trailer where you have the thing where Ray's like no one, uh, nobody knows me or no or whatever it's like um everybody thinks they know me, no one does but I do. Like you have that, you have that. It's like where you have a portion of the book where Kylo eh, Kylo advanced, pushing with his own force energy. Her temples began to throb with pain, but she stood her ground. He sent a thought directly into her mind. I know you. No one does she shot back But I do and that's Like like that's a funny moment Because Russ made that into a funny moment back <laughs> Like in October but like man Like if you're looking at this It's like if you're a Raylo that like Like and I know the Ray some of the Raylos Like to sexualize the romance Between Ray and Ben but like This book is like feeding that It is scratching that itch son like There's like some really racy Moments in this between the two of them and I'm like not that I would want Star Wars to get like that level of like sexual energy, but considering how I like anything that just in Star Wars it does something just different than what we're used to, I kind of would have liked that. And I wonder how much of that was in the original film and got edited out either because Disney didn't approve of it, or for just whatever other reasons. Maybe J.J. didn't like it or he was forced to do it at the time, but then he took it out later on. But no, like... That's the sort of things of this book that I really like because like I for the record I hate movie novelizations. I just hate them so so much. Ever since I remember reading the Junior novelization in the summer of 2002 when it came to Attack of the Clones, I've always hated novelizations of movies. But like while I was reading this, I kind of loved every single moment of it. Like it was it was giving me everything I've wanted. Like ex- where Zenger doesn't like the weird flourishes and don't get me wrong, The factoid revelations I don't like, but I like the more flourishes of letting us know what's going on with the characters during these moments that normally you can't do in a movie, but I think they could have done this just based on coaching or directing the actors. So
2: the thing with the Force and everything, I guess it's good that I've read uh, Lords of the Sith and the Ahsoka novel before this is that they do describe the Force. It's kind of weird how they describe the Force in the other books, I feel, at times. But yes, I I, I don't disagree with you that, yes, this, there is some weird energy going on there that, like... I mean, I'm hot and sweaty, but that's because I'm in our new recording area, which is not properly <laughs> ventilated yet. So it is an inferno in here right now. Mm. And maybe a little bit because of the book, too. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: Yeah, that's, like, I don't know, like, that's the thing, though, about this book, though, Zangers, like, I, I know, from what I've been able to tell, most people enjoy certain aspects of this book, but overall, people kind of see it as a miss. Yeah, like, do you, do you like, okay, so, like, is it just the fact that it lobs a bunch of dumb information at us that you don't like, or is it just simply, like, what's your opinion, Like, like, do you look at a lot of movie novelizations, like, absolutely not um i i look at
2: the novelization before they made the movie of a lot of stuff but i mean see here's the problem i like it when a book can work as a book and a movie can work as a movie and they're covering the same thing this is just you're trying to blend the two together and it's like stop it you're making it worse
1: well, like, okay,
2: let me give. A, okay, I, it. It led me to kind of be irritated with stuff in the movie since I was basically hearing it in a different framework. It's like, that's just dumb. Like I said, there is a big hole. like, they had a great thing they could have used and they threw it away. Well, okay, what's, what's going to, okay. It's going to kill Zach. I'm not going to bring it up until I absolutely have to.
1: That's fine. But like, okay, I want right me- now. <laughs> But like one thing I want to give an example of what the thing the book really get like does when it does stupid stuff is that there's a portion when uh, Leia is about to die or pass into the force and we have a moment where she's we get her inner reflection during the moments of her like laying down and it goes if Vader could become Anakin again Kylo Ren could become Ben her son was tempted by the light she could sense it but even if he never turned back the way Anakin had she had still loved him. And her legacy was secure. She was Leia Skywalker Organa Solo, no hyphenations. As she caressed Han's medal, she fully embraced all those inheritances, and she would pass them to all the next generation. Her Skywalker legacy would go to Rey. No, no, Organa. I, I, I po- wait, well, wait, well, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. Let me finish. Organa to Poe, and she would try one last time to pass her Solo legacy to her son. And it's like that's like that's so weird. Like, oh, I want my all. Well, my one child and my other two surrogate stepchildren to inherit parts inherit parts of me. Like, no, like she should say, like, I, I want Ben to be redeemed and I want Poe and Ray to forge their own paths. I don't want them to basically become next stages in this family lineage. Well, and that's it's like the thing. The book heavily points
2: out with um with like Poe and everything and with Ray that they're like the inheritors of this thing. And it I think it leans a little bit more heavily on that than I think we're used to or whatever. So that, that that is something the book did that it like kept on going back to like they're the they're instead of like just framing it from like pointing out and people it's like it had to keep reminding the reader and reminding us that these are the inheritors of, you know, the 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 um, rebellion of the past. It's like, instead of, I don't know, I just felt like they were telling instead of showing, which I mm-hmm. understand with the book you have to tell, but it could have been like saying that, oh, so-and-so, you know, started trusting or didn't, you know, talk back to Poe when he gave an order. He was really in, you know, he was really becoming his own as, as the new leader of the, of the resistant, like doing that instead of it's like Leia sitting and going, I
3: Listen, I'm gonna give you my, uh... Oh, no. Oh, my, no. Uh, My organa, like, side. Because, like, you need to go on and become, like, the, the leader of the rebellion. Oh, that's smooth.
1: <laughs> oh, god, Oh, God. All, all the Carrie Fisher fans are out there protesting and, uh, boycotting right now. Oh, no. It's been a while since we've had Knights of Vader boycott.
0: Um, <laughs>
3: And listen, you, you, you girl there with the, with, 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 with the twinkly sword, you'll inherit my sky. No, wait, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll inherit the Skywalker part of me. Cause I was a Jedi too. Yeah, but bet you didn't know that, did you? Mm hmm. Uh, I was the best of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> um what do you think of the beginning of this book? The book the book basically confirms the rumor that the first act of this movie was very differently cuz you remember even going back to a lot of those leaks from the summer we were supposed to get the training montage like in the very beginning of the film and that's essentially how the book plays out.
2: Yep. The book gives the tra- I I I th- I thought you meant the whole like um the prophecy thing and all that stuff where they're at Vader's castle and everything. And
1: well, that for some reason, even- a ton of people are just standing there watching Kylo Ren butcher everybody. That's another thing that I think is so fun that like apparently they did shoot that because there's footage of General Pride and Hux on Mustafar, so they did shoot those scenes. But I love the idea of just Hux and Pride watching Kylo Ren just murder a bunch of random people, and they're both like vaguely turned on by it. Like, it well, be- no, Hux, Hux is fed up with with um with Kylo Ren's hair. Pride's <sighs> sitting there being like,
2: look at him, he's so majestic out there destroying the. These these evil people that that stand in our way, <laughs> but like and, and like- then and, and then once again, um, oh my gosh! I just forgot his name, and I just was talking about him. Hux, Hux is sitting there. Yeah, Hux is sitting there, going, "He needs to cut his goddamn hair." <laughs> <laughs> Against <laughs> regulation. Oh my god, I love it. No, there, there I- is seriously in the book. There is a portion of time where it is just like. Huck's being irritated beyond reason that Kylo Ren's hair is not cut.
1: <laughs> I know it's I, every, okay. The lesson of this book should be like it should be called the Rise of Skywalker novelization slash or colon. Everybody wants to have sex with Kylo Ren. Like that's kind of like yeah, I haven't picked up on, on that enough. When every, I everybody wants Kylo Ren. That's that's the lesson I took from this book
2: see i didn't pull as much i i understand where you're coming from with that because uh-huh. if you frame in a certain way yes you are correct but in another way it's just kind of like i'm I'm just here to to be to be the best like no one ever was and mm-hmm. and and also i'm gonna point this out too real quick um the if if, if you were really hard up on getting more knights of ren content band, the oh, well. book doesn't deliver on it either.
1: Well, Sanger, they don't say anything. How can you include dialogue of them? Oh, no, no. It it, in
2: the... No, but it, it, it names them and it tells you who they are, and then they get killed like, right after. And it's like, who are these people and why should I care about them? Once again, they're even misused in this. Mm. So, actually, no, I, I take that back. One of them actually does, I think, do something at one point when they're on Kajimi. Mm.
1: Well,. Well, yeah, I think yeah. We'll for the for the
2: Zory Bliss side story for a few minutes.
1: Well, do you want to? Okay, so you you were okay. Go but We'll get to Zori Bliss in a moment. But you really didn't have a problem with the fact that the book begins very differently than the movie does.
3: Because
2: it begins with her doing the training, but then but then Leia sits there and is like, "I'm going to have a flashback while this is happening." All right, and then she does indeed she does it's it's fine it's for me it was just like oh cool we're getting this now and it kind of gives a better explanation for why like leia's training her instead of we're just being told she's training her now it's like this is actually showing
1: that she was actually on the path to be a jedi i want, i wonder how much more footage they have of leia like i'm not saying like obviously there's no like, there's no footage of carrie fisher teaching daisy really how to be a jedi like, Doesn't exist in that specific way But I wonder if they tried It all to do a governor Tarkin Rogue one I wonder I wonder how if they Flirted with that as an idea and Tried maybe blending it in and seeing what Would have happened just a little bit Because some of that stuff was the most interesting Stuff in the in the book to me Was like the the internal Leia stuff like dealing with All this I mean
2: I don't know the, the The Leia stuff for me was interesting, but at the same time, it kind of was like, oh, this is stuff I already assumed, too. Really? Kind of. I mean, not not all of it, but just a good chunk of it at times, I think, was...
1: Like, I, I don't know. There's, I know when, if you look at The Rise of Skywalker, the film, there's some stuff in there where you can realize that they shot stuff and they had a voice actor dub it. Because it's stuff that, like, oh, Leia will have her back to the camera and she'll start talking, and you're like, oh, like, that's that's a movie trick. They're using some uh, filmmaking sleight of hand right here. And I have no problem with that. But, like, I wish they would. Like, there's some stuff they could have done with Ray and Leia in this. That I'm surprised they didn't to kind of, like, like smear some digital, like, Vaseline over the camera lens. And that, like, why not have some more scenes with Leia, but have her as, like, a hologram and Ray talking to her? Like, th- you could have made, like, done a hologram of... Leia talking to Rey At some point Being like Rey has like like After Chewbacca dies there That could have been a great way To have another Leia scene in there Yes it's not Carrie Fisher But considering that like There are parts of Rise of Skywalker That's not Carrie Fisher In the Leia role Briefly but but still there. I'm curious why they didn't do that. Like, have a moment where, like, Ray's having like a moment of crisis and she contacts her master for guidance. And I'm like, that would have been like instead of having Ray on board Ochi's ship, like moaning and like complaining about Chewbacca's death, despite the fact that it has no emotional resonance because we know he's alive at that moment. It's like why didn't have a moment where Leia re- or I'm sorry, Ray reaches out to Leia. Like that would have been so more compelling than Finn being like, "It's okay, Ray." Bestie hug, and it's like, no, like we've, ha- we've had that, like enough. Like, we know Ray and Finn are besties. Like, no, like, give
2: me something new,
1: give me something oh, they, that flesh-
2: there, there, There's another thing in the book. Oh, sweet, sweet little Finn. You constantly having moments where it's like, and then he felt something. We get it. He's got the force. Okay.
1: That's another thing that, like, they wanted to build that up into something, and it kind of, I, I guess, they figured. They felt like they were—they were trying to right a wrong based on like how they hyped Finn up for the Force Awakens. Yeah. So I, again, I wouldn't be surprised, and I know on the Zeng this episode we talk about this a little bit, so I don't want to delve into it too much. But I wouldn't be surprised that when we get episode ten, Finn is a Jedi. I mean, I, I don't mind them doing that. By the way, I don't mind them doing
2: what what they did with Finn. It's just in the book, it is it is like beating you over the head with it. It's there. Okay. I, I guess here's my big thing with the book. The book doesn't have any subtext. It's just text.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And and at times it's like show don't tell, once again, reading a book, but still I, I don't I don't know. I just it's just every time we talk about Finn it's like he had a feeling about something. And it's like, oh my god, just just, just say he could feel it in the Force or just say that like instead of just like let's just keep hinting that that he can use the Force or that
1: he's connected to the Force. mm Mhm. Instead of just coming out and saying it. I I think again, this is not the book's problem; it's the movie's problem. It is because because the because obviously the movie, the screenplay informs the novel, but I think that is a seeding moment. Like how we you used to talk about that a lot, Sanger, like seeding moments. Mm-hmm. That, again, there's like, at some point we're gonna get episode ten, and on the poster it's gonna be John Boyega with a lightsaber. But it's not. And it's in part of the marketing is gonna be whenever we get episode ten, is gonna be up. Oh, he's real like john boyega's the jedi this time with a capital j folks like yeah. that's like that well i have no again if they do it right it's like anything else in life if they do it right i have no problems with it i hope it's just not just like being done in order to right a wrong that only a handful of people had um but no but going back to like some of the leia stuff real quick unless did you want to continue on the Finn train for any no, no I'm, I'm good but like another thing that was really like, and this is something obviously a book can do that a movie can't. But this is a this is a passage that I thought was really interesting. Uh, during this is during the moment where Luke, I'm sorry, Ray is on Octo talking to Luke, and it go and Ray goes, I'm sorry, which made Ray wonder. Had Leia ever been tempted by the dark side? And all the stories she'd heard in reading Luke's journals, studying with Leia, she had never once heard anyone even trying to turn her, the way Vader and the Emperor had tried to turn Luke, the way Kylo had tried to turn her, maybe all of them. Leia had been unturnable. And I thought that was, like, that's really, really provocative. Like, that's, like. Incredible notion that we've never Really thought about in Star Wars Before and I'm not Talking about legends because I know legends they did Stuff but even still the idea that Like in Star Wars where Everybody is trying to sway somebody else Like get that's part of the the mythos Of Star Wars is trying is having the fall And the turn and the resistance To the dark side I get it but the notion That Leia was Leia ever tempted And the fact that she really was this person that just had an ironclad will to do good. And yes, we have characters like that in Star Wars. Like we have Obi-Wan and Yoda. But like how I kind of talked last week, they were characters that now become more and more morally gray. Because even though their intentions were, were... Good, they were clouded by just the bureaucracy and just the murkiness of the times they lived in, to the point where they didn't they didn't know which way was up. And yet, you look at Leia, and I know they've done a pretty good job of this and everything so far when it comes to canon, because I know there's obviously a couple of Leia books. There, Leia was on Rebels. leia's is up in a bunch of places, even Resistance. And the notion that, like, wow, Leia was never even was like I would imagine Palpy at some point because even in the book they talk about how Palpatine had been the voices in Kylo Ren's head, Ben Solo's head, forever. And that think about it, in order for Palpatine to get inside the head of Kylo Ren, you'd think Ray, not Ray, Leia would have sensed that. And obviously, there's a way you could say she did sense it because, like, she's like, it's said in the movie, in the novelization, that she sensed uh, at the end of her Jedi training, her son's life would be in danger and all that. But no, I just think that's like, that's the sort of stuff like I want from Star Wars. I want those sort of provocative notions that make you go, wow, like, I've never thought of Star Wars. In any incarnation, it comes in that way before, and that's where, like, yes, I agree with his anger. A lot of the stupid things in this book are there, but moments like that, one paragraph to me is worth the price of admission for this book.
2: Are you going to read which one, or
1: I, mean, I did? Oh, okay.
2: I was like, I was waiting because I was like, he's about to say something. Um, okay, so I made a joke with Zach that. Okay, so I guess let let me just get this out out there first, and I know I haven't done enough complaining about it, but. Um <clears throat> all right so everyone knew this was going to come. Um so there's of course the whole I get irritated with with um YouTube clickbaity Star Wars confirmed confirmed this or you know they confirm this is where a lot of that stuff comes from is is the books. And to me no offense the books don't confirm jack. It's just an interpretation or them once again wiping up stuff from the movies that didn't, that didn't get covered enough or you can't have internal dialogue really. So that's why I hate that, you know, a lot of the content I despisingly can't stand is basically being justified by these books and everything. Um, Also Palpatine had a journal and, um, and two, once again, why, uh, how I can prove Palpatine had a journal according to Canon so there, 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 there's a title for this YouTube video. It's because there's a point where it's pointed out that he tempted Vader at some point with the whole story of Darth Plagueis. There was only two of them there. I don't think Vader was taking journals. So my only assumption is Luke found Palpy's journals
3: of him being like, today I tried to turn, to turn Anakin by telling him the story of Plagueis. A weird, I love it. I love it so much. I love. No, I, I
1: mean it, it, it has to be because Zanger, you knew That's fantastic. In the book. That's fantastic. Zanger, come on. The idea of Palpatine having a journal and writing it every night like a schoolgirl is delightful. We want more I, of that. I in Star imagine Wars.
2: him with a pink, pe- with a pink, you know, pen with like a huge fluffy kooshball ball on yes, the top. Exactly
1: on his stomach on his bed, kicking his legs back and forth as he's writing. That's going to be the new Knights of Vader podcast logo. It's going to be Palpatine laying on a bed with a foofy pencil, writing in his journal late at night with a Tiger Beat poster of Plagueis in the background. <laughs> Perfect. No, but I mean, because that whole thing is something that it is brought
2: up that Luke knew about that. How the hell did Luke know about that?
1: Like, seriously. Does it matter? Does it doesn't matter.
2: It doesn't, that? but it was just one of those moments where I was sitting there, and I went, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait.
1: What? I guess it, I... So my conclusion is, he had a journal. Well, but it's one of those things where it's like, us, the audience, knows that Palpatine tempted mm-hmm. Vader. But, like, does it matter that the characters figured that out? Like, it, it's like, it. it uh, that sort of stuff doesn't bother me. That's more just like... Oh, no, I'm fine with, it's.
2: it's the... Fact that it was verbatim, like, this is how he tempted him. So it's like, that had to be sitting there
3: in a journal somewhere. Like, I told him the Plagueis story, and I think I got to him. Anyways, I can't believe that Jenny S. and Jenny L. are both into me. I don't know which one of them to go out with. I'm going to try a three-is-company way of, like, going on a double date with both of them at the (laughs) same time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that sort of stuff doesn't, like, it's... I just wonder, like, if it wasn't for the fact that we live in such a culture today, like, the cinema sins culture, how much of that would even bother us? Like, there's, like, there's gotta be examples of that in other things in Star Wars, where it's like, wait, like, why would this character know that? How could they, like, there's, like, you could even make the excuse, too, that, like, Palpatine, like, Luke communed with Anakin as a Force ghost. And maybe he learned that way. Like, maybe Luke was having a moment of of strife. And didn't know what to do, and Anakin came to him as a force ghost and told him about stuff like that. Like that's,
2: hey, that's- son, have I ever told you the story of Darth Plagueis? Yes, Dad, like five times. Well, let me tell you about it when 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 good old Palps
1: told it to me. By the way, he's not dead. We'll get to that in a moment, because the book the book leaves the door open for Palpatine coming back. Um, I love that. It's like could Palpatine like Finn Finn Power sitting there and like watching everybody celebrate and like this has happened before once. It doesn't mean it can't happen again. And in like in the corner, like it actually like in the footnotes, it says like executive's head slowly peers up like over a bush knoll, <laughs> and then slowly goes back down. But yeah, that's 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 stupid book stuff again. Like there, that's the stuff I don't like about the book, where it's like okay, um, yeah, but you, you don't, know,
2: you, you know, certain YouTube channels is going to have a. This confirms that. That that Palpatine That Luke or so It's
1: going to be some stupid thing I'm going to be like I called it I called it Sure that's, and that's, But guess what though Like that's I think about it I don't agree with the YouTube method Of people profiting off fake news um, I don't again, if they want, I'm not going to stop them But I just don't agree with it On a philosophical level But like That one line of dialogue Will help somebody cash Like a $200 check It will and, but like it's also buyer i know like I, I haven't talked about this in a while but it's also buyer beware it's the notion of that like if you want factual star wars news you don't go to YouTube like don't no whatever it. so like again if you're stupid enough to click on one of those videos and you're then you, you get what you deserve um but yeah that's yeah i guess i that stuff does i get where you don't like it and where some people might be bothered by it but I don't that doesn't bother me
2: all right, so you want to get into the to the clone thing now, or do you want me to to reveal
1: my? Well, I oh I, I, we can, but like how like what hasn't there said what hasn't there been said about that at this point?
2: True, I mean the book just sort of spells it out very like matter of factly. Here's exactly what it is. Which also, I have a question: Are are the clones like genetically able to reproduce?
1: Oh, one of them did
2: cuz i mean why don't we have a ton of like oh man i need russ here for his impression of um of um kiwi running a, like 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 a ton of them running around <laughs> or i guess i guess the republic army wasn't the us army when they showed up at places <laughs> well
1: we know that the clones weren't sterile because there's that one clone wars episode where there's like a clone like 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 hybrid children So they're not sterilized. They have that ability. They're not (sighs) impotent. I I mean, I
2: I always assume they were just sterile because it's like clones. Why would you make them able to reproduce? Because they like have like the lifespan of a fly.
1: I don't that's the thing though. I don't think again, I could be wrong. I don't know. I guess if they
2: clone them a certain way, they don't.
1: I don't I don't think the clones had a lifespan though. Like, in the sense of, like, it wasn't like, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's The Sixth Day. I can't believe I'm making that reference. And where it's, like... Or Metal Gear. Oh, I'm not a Metal Gear fan. I need uh, to reference that, because someone will call me out if I don't. Good. Um, it's the thing, is like, the clones had accelerated growth. I don't... It wasn't like... Like, think about it. If you're making an army, and you have no idea how long the war's going to end, it's not like the clones are going to grow, like like... Age like, like for every one year Ten years because I know in attack Of the clones they say like well, We can grow a mature clone in half the Time so you would imagine that okay There's ten years between phantom Menace and attack of the clones so It takes ten years to grow An adult male so it's like But and we know by now that Captain Rex survived all the Way to the events of return of the Jedi Allegedly Well, they're not doing anything to dissuade. They say that in Rebels, that Captain Rex and and, uh, Hera fought in the Battle of uh, Endor. So, like, that was what? God, 19 plus, what, three and a half years? That's what, 22 and a half years? So, obviously, Rex was 20 by the events of the Clone Wars, so he doesn't, like... He's 42? Maybe a little. But he like, looks like in his 60s though. No, we we're, we're still under the assertion that it's that guy from Return of the Jedi.
2: Well, he's also in Rebels and he looks old too.
1: Well, he looks he doesn't like he looks like he's about in his, like an old 45. That's what he looks like in Rebels. He looks like an old 45, and considering how everybody ages in Star Wars, that's not absurd to the fathom. Mm, true. But going back to the clone thing, though, yes, the book sells it very, very just dryly and states it. Like there's no literary flourish. That's the thing is that, like, you could like Palpatine being a clone again. I don't think it needs to be explained. But no, if you I don't are going. If if you are going to explain it And you feel compelled to for some weird reason There's ways of doing it That shroud it and veil it in mystery Instead We very much get like explicit dialogue Like oh they tried Multiple times and the engineers Underneath Exegol could not figure out A way to transfer his power Into a new vessel body And it's like man that is just Utilitarian dialogue That is just is functional. It has no other purpose. You might as well be reading a training manual at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and then it goes to like, but had, but he had success in one son, in one clone, a success in every way except for the one that he wanted. And it's like, oh geez, it's like, oh no. Uh, but Palpatine did not realize the time that this chi- this clone child that he discarded would have great importance n- multiple years down the line. And it's like, okay, like. We also don't know how old Palpatine's son was. Like, was Palpatine like churning out these clones like the very, very moment that like he got thrown down the 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 the, what do you want, the chasm on the Death Star? I think or he had them before then. Well, okay, but like, Ray is nineteen years old by the events of the Force Awakens. Force Awakens is thirty years after Return of the Jedi, which means that was was Ray's father. Only how old by the time of all this? Like, like was there excel Like, if you're gonna start throwing in technical like Star Wars jargon to explain the I guess thing, explaining things in Star Wars is a very slippery slope because like once you explain something matter of factly, you have to have reasons as to why other things happened matter of factly because it's like oh okay, raise nineteen. We see her, like, they get rid of her when she's six years old, we think. I think maybe six, I think six is the assumed time.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, well, how old was the father? Like, we see the father in the film. He looks like he's at the very least, like, in his late 20s, early 30s. So was Palpatine, like, like when this clone child, like, was hatched? Or however they work in Star Wars? Was it like, did Palpatine immediately try putting his essence into like a baby and it didn't work? And he's like, well, maybe we'll keep him around for a couple of years. Let's see what happens. I thought and it like, implied that it wasn't force sensitive. Well, that's what I mean, though. Is it like, if, if, like, but like, how was the force son, I'm sorry, the clone son hatched?
2: In some secret.
1: See, if they, okay, okay. There, there's a huge
2: discussion I could have, but I'm going to kind of try to limit it down. I was even thinking this when I was listening to it. Why couldn't they have made the cloning facility that he was using on Jakku? You know, the observatory and everything that they were trying to, the Empire was trying to protect. Why couldn't that have been secretly the cloning facility and then tied that in and made that something very. Mo- I think that would have been well, interesting.
1: The, re- the reason why they didn't tie it in is because JJ doesn't know there's an observatory on Jakku.
2: But that's the thing. It's it's one of those things to where if you had tied that in, that would have made it interesting. Oh, that's why Jack Jakku was so
1: important for the end of the. But like the war. But but no, I I agree with you. But the problem is is that like J J Abrams and I know I know there's like one shot in the behind the scenes documentary on the Rise of Skywalker DVD of Chris Terrio like they're interviewing him. He has a stack of like Legends books in front of him, which I'm guessing which I'm guessing is some way that like earned fan cred but it's it's the thing of like JJ Abrams and the executives are not reading ancillary media they're not cuz even like like one of my favorite examples of discrepancies in Star Wars between like you can tell whoever was writing it was a hardcore fan versus a like casual fan if you watch clone wars read any of the books a unit of time in Star Wars for the most part is a rotation they're like, oh, we only have three rotations until this happens. We only have this. And yet in all the movies, a unit of time is always what it is in the real world. Like in The Rise of Skywalker, it's like we only have 18 hours until the final order's plan goes into like action. And it's like, oh, oh. And then even in The Rise of Skywalker movie, the novelization, they talk about um, when they're on Kef Burr. they talk about the Death Star, they're like, oh, the final Battle, oh, we're here where the final battle Of the the Galactic uh, Civil War Happened, and it's like, no The final battle of the Galactic Civil War happened on Jakku It's like, like, you're telling Me nobody could ADR The word, like, change a couple words And I think that's the thing Zanger, it's like, yeah, like Having this all—not having it take place on Jakku, but to tie that into Ray's backstory, instead of leaving her on Jack Who, having her kind of just be there for whatever reason, tying that into the Palpatine clone-son thing, would be clever. But I I just don't think the people who are making the movie decisions are concerned about those sort of things. Agreed. But yeah, it's a—like, uh, I—, I the clone thing with Palpatine is just so uh, I, I think it's so de- I, I get it. They made him a clone to tie it into the prequels. I understand that. But I would have preferred it. Like, how did Palpatine come back? He came back because just like it's like the it's like what Dominic Moynihan says. It's like Sith magic. cloning. Like, I think that's one thing the movie got right. It's like you don't need to explain it. yet, for some reason, Whether it be Ray Carson or her editor or people at Lucasfilm who make decisions were like, nope, you have to explain it in this. And then considering how clunky it is, it leads me to believe that it probably was forced upon whoever had to do it.
2: I don't disagree with you on that because it it is it's one of those things where I'm like, I
1: wish they had left it ambiguous.
2: Yeah, I think I came back.
1: In all honesty, I think the movie explains it best in that it's just like it's one it line of dialogue. Well, yeah, there's one line of dialogue by uh Dominic Moynihan, and that's it. I mean, even
2: Palpatine, like the whole, like, um, the the you know, oh my gosh, I'm getting a line now about like strange, you know, oh yeah, the um, they most would consider unnatural, like it's just something to where it's like. It, was he able to like preserve his hatred or something or that protect? Like, it's, I would have let like that to have been like your headcanon, but you know, we can't have nice things. So,
1: well, like, that even goes back to the whole thing of like, with like Palpatine's thing being like, what is he like? What is his true incarnation? Is that like when he's fighting Mace Windex and he gets like, he becomes Monster Mash. I was re watching Revenge of the Sith in the last couple days. Like, now that we know. And obviously, when Revenge of the Sith was being made, The Rise of Skywalker wasn't even a glimmer in anybody's eye. But we've always wondered, like, how did, like, was Palpatine always the kindly-looking gentleman? And then when he got, like, forced lightning to the face, he became Monster Mash? Or was Monster Mash his always how he looked, and he just hid that from everybody? And then I wonder... If In the Revenge of the Sith scene, where Mace Windu is reflecting the lightning back at him, and he stops, he goes, I can't hold it much longer, I'm too weak, and he stops. And I wonder, combine that line of dialogue with, once Palpatine is healed by absorbing the dyad between Rey and, and Ben Solo, I wonder, at that point, maybe Palpatine was always that hideous, and he was just using his Force energy... To keep it contained, and then once the moment like he was exposed, it happened. Because even look at what happens in um, Rebels, where he's confronting Ezra in the series in the series finale, he's the kindly old gentleman. And I just wonder how much of the kindly gentleman facade was just that. Like, like as of now, this is my own headcanon and anybody can disagree or accept it as much as they'd like. Well, personally, one second. P- sure. <laughs> no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, that's the thing. Is like I think that Palpatine was always Monster Mash. Because think about it. Like we see him in the Rise of Skywalker, and he's like a dried out husk. Yet he absorbs the dyad which he even says like the power. Like, it's like the power of life, and he reheals himself. Well, not reheals. He heals himself, and he goes right back to looking like Monster Mash. Okay. So my thing for
2: this is. He could have been, no no offense to any Windu fans. No offense, he let himself get beat so that he could turn Anakin. You think is so? my is is my head that just because of insular media and just how just evil and just powerful he was, I think he let himself get beat to an extent or put himself in a situation where he knew Anakin was coming. So it's like, well,
1: here's my gamble. But why? Okay, if that was it, the case, if that was the case, though. Why even bother doing the Force Lightning? Why not just, like, let, like, like, you have Palpatine's laying there. He's, like, okay, whether he devised Mace Windu, like, like who knows? At that point, he knows Anakin's walking in. Let's just assume that's just part of the plan, or it's not part of the plan. It's one or the other. Um, but, like, why not just let Mace Windu, like, Mace Windu was going to kill Palpy. So why even bother with the lightning at that point? Like that's the thing too is that like the lightning like Anakin had to with like had to under not undergo had to withstand that from Count Dooku. So he knows the pain of that sort of attack. So why just not lay there as like a kindly old gentleman and let Mace windu try because
2: if he did not show himself to the um to the senate and everything showing what the jedi had done to him well okay but, uh, but that plays into why i'm set
1: but
3: that's playing into it's, what I'm it's it's all about. it's all
1: part of his plan dude read go 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 read his diary it was it was all in there <laughs> I, okay. Yes, you're right. No, none of this matters. This is just nerds speculating, as to about something that nobody cares about. Like this is one of those ones you'd love to go up. Like you see George Lucas at the food court, and you're like, "Mr. Lucas, Mr. Lucas, was Palpatine always hiding who he was, or he wasn't, or was he like unintentionally turned the monster mash?" And then Lucas responds the same way Homer does in the Itchy Poochie or the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie episode. <laughs> How are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Like um, yeah, like these are nerd qualms that no one should ever devote time of their Time of their life to actually trying to solving Um But yeah that's kind of the That's that's the thing is that like I think Palpatine Was always monster mash And he hid it He hid it from everybody until Like at the end he's just like screw it I'm gonna gonna be monster mash In my red crimson robes And I love the fact that like Palpatine has like All this power his first act is to Give himself red robes I love it like, he's, like, after being a husk of a human being for third years, his first thing is, makeover! <laughs> it's great. Oh my gosh, I look fabulous! <laughs> oh yeah, I could see Palpatine being one of those people that's, like, really into, like, like into oh himself. Oh my like, gosh, I look fabulous. Yeah, I gotta exactly. be careful. My my Carrie Fisher and my Palpatine are slowly <laughs> getting too close to each other. I have to imagine Palpatine, like, at the uh, men's warehouse. Do you have anything a little bit more in the crimson colors? This is a little too fire red for me. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Oh God, Palpatine is so much fun. I, I, I like the way the look. I look. That's I Carrie Fisher. That's Carrie Fisher. You got. You got. You got to work. You got. You got. You. are right. You're blending them too much. I am. I Do am. Pa- Okay, Palpatine does not smoke. You got to look at it that way. Palpatine's very health conscious. He doesn't smoke. <laughs>
3: Um, Something, something, something. Something, something, Jedi. Something, something, dark side. It's more back in the throne. Something, something, dark side.
2: It's
1: got to draw it out. You got to draw it out. With Carrie Fisher's more faster. It's more, it's it's very
3: punctuated. It's like, okay, honey, I'm going to tell you about the Force. Listen, Listen. I'm going to tell you about the Force now, and it's something that lives inside of everything, including all these cigarettes I've been smoking. (laughs) Honey, give me
1: another pack.
3: <laughs>
1: That's part of Ray Jedi training—is going to the gas station to get cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> but but imagine okay, imagine Daisy Ridley. But Master, what part of what part of my training is this? Your training, honey. I need all the patience I can get.
2: <laughs> so, somehow, has her lightsaber turns it on to light the cigarette. <laughs> <saber. laughs>
1: Well, that's what happened to Leia's lightsaber. She's like, Where did I put my? I like, think they're leaving. <laughs> <Catherine> <laughs> Where's my lighter? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Leia always hated the fact that I hid her favorite lighter from her. <laughs> P- okay, folks, we're not making fun of Carrie Fisher. We're just have, like, We love Carrie Fisher, RIP. We if we if we could bring her back to life through cloning, by, I don't know, cloning her daughter, maybe Billy Lore can clone herself and maybe we can like create a clone son that can, I don't know. But we, we love Carrie Fisher. She, she we, and-
2: we truly do. And I. I I think somebody, one of the guests has said, or somebody on here has said before that she would love the impression. And if, if she did tell me it's terrible, I would
1: stop, but I, I feel she would, she would be in on the joke. Exactly. Yes. We we love Carrie. We miss you, Carrie. We would, we would love to know your opinion on how they kind of, uh, used like ghost footage of you in this film. We would love, uh, your opinion on that. Um, all right. One thing. Okay. I want to go back to the book and more about like dumb stuff. The book does, because this is one thing that I, I got really... got one
2: good thing the b- book's done. Which oh, okay, go for, I to. go for it. Go for okay. it. Go for it. Okay, so something that has kind of bothered me the more I think about the entire trilogy as a whole is there's no real through line with stuff. and I think they could have done a better job, but different writers, different directors, whatever. I think it's interesting that Lando brings up the fact that the First Order's, like, whole thing, that the fir- one of the first things they did was they went after the kids of the Re- Heroes of the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. They went after Ben. They went after and I'm like, that's an interesting plot point. And that's an interesting thing to focus on. And it's never brought up in the movies. It's just hinted at. And I'm like, that would have been a cool thing for like the through line of like that's what the first order did to make sure that they could seize control is they went after the heroes of the rebellion. children and made sure they didn't have a future. I thought Lando stuff, his whole because he has a lot more going on in the book, and I thought that was interesting. But yeah, it's
1: not in the movie at all. Well, and that's where I probably, it probably was an idea that was devised by Ray Carson or probably more the publishing team. I agree. That's the problem. Is it like, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. Like, unique, like, that's the thing you, like, and that's my, like, insane frustration with The Force Awakens is that, like, yeah, The Force Awakens worked. It made $2 billion, it reignited. A bunch of people's interest in Star Wars. It got a bunch of new people on board that weren't Star Wars fans up until that point. But, like, you could have done so much more with that movie. Like, can Mm -hmm. you imagine that, like, you had, like, like an entire... Instead of having the plot point be, we have to blow up another Death Star. Wouldn't it have been more interesting if it was, like, something like we have to... Like, again, Zenger, how far? Have you played any more Jedi Fallen Order?
2: I'm getting to it. I just need to find something to figure out what to do, because... I'm on Kashyyyk and I'm like, I have no clue what I'm supposed to be doing because it's been so long since i played it. So, whoopsie.
1: Okay. Without going too far into stuff about Jedi Fallen Order, but like there's a very specific plot point about, or pretty much the entire focal point of the, the plot of the game about like, The next generation of heroes for the galaxy. Let's just leave it that way. And I think that would have been a more interesting plot point being like, oh, the First Order is trying to round up the next generation of heroes, and we have to like stop that. Like, that's the thing is that like you could have done anything with Star Wars Episode 7, like anything. As long as Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford were on the poster, you could do anything with the plot of that film. And that's the problems like that should have been a focal point like you should have brought all the main characters and being like they're like the sins of the father are put upon the children and i love like that would have been a really interesting concept especially you could you could tie nostalgia really easily into that mm-hmm. and you could have gone back to your like planets like your best spin to your Endors by using like that and like oh the first order is trying to track down the next generation of heroes we have to stop that how else do you do that other than than by revisiting the past. You can yep. still go back to familiar locales in Star Wars iconography that we all know and love, but you can do it by telling a new story, not by having another, we have to get the the stolen data goods to the good guys in order to stop a giant planet destroying weapon from destroying planets. And it's like, ugh. Like that's that's why I'm so frustrated with The Force Awakens. <laughs> It's like there's so much they could have done with that that still was have scratched nostalgia itch, and they chose not to because it it was slightly more of a risk of what than what they already did. That wasn't that risky. I I
2: I think I think at some point there needs to be an episode on if if I could redo the new trilogy because I I have I have some ideas after reading the book and having everything laid out in front of me. I think Snow could have been done away with, as in like not had him had like a shadowy figure, and yes, I am doing the thing I hated in myself of, yeah, I'm just repeating what the original trilogy did, but as George Lucas said, it's it's poetry because it rhymes. It's just have everything be that, because that's the thing. I feel like Star Wars at some point is just history repeating itself over and over again. Shadowy figure Sidious uh, manipulates stuff in the prequels. Shadowy figure Sidious is still around during the original. Shadowy figure Sidious is manipulating stuff in the like it would have worked if there was just a shadowy figure again, and it not have been Snoke, it would have just been Palpatine again. But you didn't know that. But then when you find out, you're like, "Oh, it makes sense." Mm-hmm. But that's that's a whole different discussion for another time. Yeah. So, like I said, overall the book it it's it's just there to why it, it brings up some good points and then throws them away instantly.
3: Well,
1: yeah, well. Yes, but like the, again, the, there, there's some other things the book does that's frustrating for me. Like one of the like it does a couple things, and this is where it's trying to have its cake and eat it too with the Raylo romance. Like at one point when Ray is talking to Luke about what happened with with Kylo Ren and healing him, it goes. Luke stood over her, unbothered by the proximity of his robes to the flames. I did everything I was trained not to. She told him. I drew my saber first, attacked Ren, blind with anger, but then you healed him. Ray said. I gave him some of my life. In that moment, I would have given him all of it. Died if I had to. Your compassion saved him, said Luke. And that's the thing that like I have a problem with. Is that like it wasn't her like from what we see at the everything else in this film, and, and from the the novel, I'm sorry, the novelization in the film to another extent, is that like Ray had this connection with him. She wasn't, she didn't save. Kylo Ren after impaling him Out of compassion Like the same way that she gives Dio A little bit of oil to to fix his squeaky wheel She saves Kylo Ren Ben Because she realizes this is her other half This is her dog di- like She's not consciously aware of it Maybe she isn't, well okay, yes, in the film she's aware of it But I think it, when she saves him She's not doing it in, like, a conscious way, like, oh, crap, I made a mistake. Like, she broke a dish, and she's trying to glue it back together. Uh, When she saves him, she's not doing it in a reactive way. She's doing it because this is another extension of herself. It's her dyad in the Force. And... That's the thing. I don't, I don't think it's an act of compassion. I think it's the same way that if you have any two people in life that are lovers, they're soulmates. If one is hurt, the other one without a moment's thought, if they could transfer their life essence into the other. They would. And I think that's the thing the book misses. It's like it, It's funny. I think the book wants there to be a romance. But it wants it to be a very visceral romance. But it doesn't want that like underlayer of these two have a, a profound, deep connection to each other. And I think that, and that even goes on. It's actually the very next page where the, the Ray and Luke conversation continues. It goes Ray, Luke said, some things are stronger than blood. The rightness of his words sparked inside her. The force was stronger than blood in friendship in love. And I and I look at that and I go, oh my lord! Like that is like I know I, I haven't said this phrase in a while when it comes to Star Wars or my complaining about it, but that is a fundamental misunderstanding of Star Wars. The idea that that love loving all this stuff is like a like a two way str- or I'm sorry, the Force is stronger than blood than than friendship and love. No, it's it's the notion of that. Love, friendship, and the force are all in perfect harmony. Mm-hmm. One is a mere extension of the other. Just as it, it, and this is kind of the analogy I was thinking of at the time, just kind of like as like the embankment and the stream work in unison. Like if you think of an embankment in a stream, one provides a continual path all the while the other has the power to blaze a new one. It's the idea that the Force is, is more just, it channels all this. It doesn't, it, just, it doesn't trump it in any way. It doesn't one-up it. And I think writing a line of dialogue, or a line in a book of, the Force was stronger than blood, in friendship and love. It's no, it's the Force that channels all these things. But at the same time, these abilities have ways of, I don't want to say manipulating the Force, but the Force also follows them. It's the idea that, like I said, water can flow down a path, but and, and most times the water is contained by that path. But also, if water surges and is so powerful, it can redirect the path in other directions. And I think that's what happens at the, rise, at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, when, when Ben Solo saves Rey. That, think about it, through all of Star Wars, everybody is trying to figure out ways how to conquer death. To learn immortality, whether it be Palpy, Plagueis, Anakin, Padme, but at the end of the day, it was as simple as an act of selfless love that brought Ray back. It was the again, Anakin is trying to save Padme out of the desire to possess her. It's his his love is selfish. He needs her. Ben is able to save Ray through the fact of. It's an act of selflessness. He realizes that by giving by bringing her back to life, he he will not be around to ever see her. And that even having a brief moment of her with her, a fleeting grasp of Ray is worth is worth more than his entire life. And I think the book and the movie—the movie, I don't think, understands this. I think I'm very much interpreting it a very specific way that, made, that probably J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio never had. And I think that's the thing, is that it's the, the path to conquering death is not a hard one, but it costs the ultimate price. And it costs something—and it it's not just the ultimate price and that it costs you one's own life. It's the—it costs—you have to have that mindset— you have to have a selfless love, and that's something nobody has ever had in Star Wars up until the Rey Ben Solo romance. I know Zenger likes to joke that the Rey Ben Solo romance is the equivalent of unexpectedly throwing a chair at another chair. But, <laughs> but I do think it's the idea that clearly from the very beginning. I'm
2: sorry, I just love my analogy Sometimes it, it's,
1: it's I don't I don't agree with the analogy, but I also find it quite a funny one. It um, is. Um but but no I think that's the point is that and that's the true rise of Skywalker. The true rise of Skywalker is the Skywalkers were able to conquer death. But they but that's the thing they weren't conquering death in a way that Palpatine was or Anakin was in a selfish way. They were conquering death as a way to let A life flourish it was through Selfless love something that Is even more profound than a diet In the force that's what gave The skywalkers the ultimate rise And that's why again like I Even though I don't like it on a Sentimental romance level that Ben Solo has to die I want Rey to have her soulmate forever I don't want That taken away from her I know there's There's some later in the book When um After after the after Ben Solo dies That or after he transforms into the Force that there's some really like Tragic moments where I think yeah Raced it over the place Ben had fallen, staring down at his empty tunic. Tears streamed down her face. He had sacrificed everything for her. She did not mourn Kylo Ren. She would never mourn Kylo Ren. But she dearly would have loved the chance to get to know Ben Solo. It felt like half of her was missing, and she supposed it was. The girl who had felt alone for all those years on Jakku had been part of a dyad the whole time. And just when she discovered that precious connection, that incredible oneness, it was ripped away. A voice came to her through the force, clear and strong. I will always be with you, Ben said. She smiled. Let the truth of it wash over her. No one's ever really gone, she whispered. And that's that's the thing is that like Ray has to live with this being her like an emptiness that she won't have Ben physically there with her, but he gave her the ultimate gift. He gave her something that no one has ever been given before, a chance at resurrection. As we know in Star Wars, there's never been a resurrection before. So Ben Solo, the Skywalker lineage, was able to conquer something or able to triumph in a way that had never been done before. They were able to rise above everybody else, but they didn't rise in a selfish way overstepping over anybody's head. They were able to rise through an act of selflessness. And I think, again, if that was J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio's intent— then they might understand star wars in a way that nobody possibly does it might forgive all the other problems i have with everything else jj's done to star wars but at the same time though like you do have like i think if you would have had that i think we mentioned it in the zeng this episode that comes out today is that if we if we just had that line of dialogue in the film of ben saying to ray i will always be with you when I'll we see more,
3: well
1: well you say a little bit more inflection a little a little, a little less adam Drive maybe it, li- it dialed up a little bit a little bit less kylo ren adam driver a little bit more uh, marriage story adam driver
2: I'll always be with you always <laughs> <laughs> when did this episode become a zinger like voice coach episode
1: <laughs> i don't know the zinger
2: I, I, guess Zach has to keep all of the voices in order so that he can, I, I guess, just as like a, no, we, no, we got to keep them all perfect. Cause then when, when we sell this thing big, we got to have that when it <laughs> becomes a what
1: robot chicken replacement one day, Zanger, one day. one day, one day, Zanger, we call me home. Um, but yeah, with that being said, Zanger, I think, um, I, I, there's things we could dissect in this book. Like there, there's certain things like, do you want to mention the, uh, the, the, one character that gets more, that gets an entire subplot in this book that doesn't really, that has what one scene in the entire movie or one sequence.
2: What? Zori Blisk.
1: Yeah. Zenger, tell our audience about Zori Bliss in this book.
2: So she does everything she does in the movie, but then there's like a side story of like her getting like her whole little gang of spice runners and everything, getting all them together and them getting basically caught by the, by the Knights of Ren at one point, or just by one of them. I don't know. There's 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 stuff going on with her. It, it points out how she says Babu Frick, which is basically she just opens the door and says, Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, I was about to say, I mean, I don't think I can make it. That, that's basically what happens, is he's working on a battle droid. The battle droid says, Roger, Roger, so everyone's happy. And then he's like, "Huh, what's going on outside?" And then the door gets kicked in. She's like, "Come with
1: me if you want to live." Oh my god, Zenger, Zenger, that's hysterical. I love that. I love the. I love the line. The he's working on a battle droid. The battle droid says, "Roger, Roger." Everybody's happy, and then Zori Bliss comes, kicks the door in. <laughs> that's funny, Zenger. I mean, am I wrong?
2: I just expl- I just gave that character a ton of new depth and everything too.
1: I like that. That's funny. So, good old good old Daft Punk Zam Wessel.
2: Yes. And and once again, the Knights of Ren are in this and they do about as much in this as they do in the movie. They die. Though it does give an explanation for the helmet thing, so Zach I guess was pleased with that. I guess. Yeah, that <laughs> I that, that I thought would have been cool to see in the movie, the um whole ancient like um alchemist or whatever it was of the Sith like that he was actually that and putting together the helmet, giving a lot more backstory into it instead of just silence and banging and then him handing Ren the helmet. Cuz the helmet mean- it, its it's implied that that's all done so that he can lead the knights cuz he wants the knights of Ren to join him again. Yeah. And in the movie, it's just I'm I'm gonna put this helmet back together so that I can I can rule the galaxy.
1: Uh, yeah, I like that moment. I would I would prefer that, but that's the problem with hiring J.J. Abrams is that he's gonna make everything so quickly paced that like unless he he's not gonna linger on a scene unless it's delivering a key. Again, J.J. Abrams is not an atmosphere director. He doesn't let like a scene sit on your tongue and you savor it. He, it's quick, quick. Get to the point. Get to the point. Move, 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 move. Which yeah, the whole very thing with, um, with uh, Oracle, too. It's like that. I understand why it got cut. It serves really no purpose, per you se. Know what, you know what the Oracle scene reminded me of? Like, it's a cool scene, but I don't get why they even filmed it because it reminded me a lot of what. Happens like like everybody has to remember That like when George Lucas was making the first Star Wars You have the Greedo scene And then they wanted to do the Jabba scene Like they filmed that Jabba scene yes they, they He butchered it a million times since then But the reason why they cut That Jabba scene was A because they couldn't Figure out how to digitally like Or not digitally how to superimpose A stop motion model into that sequence so they had to scrap it because they couldn't figure out the technology at the time and the reason why they rationalized scraping it or scrapping it for the context of the storyline was everything that's said in that java scene is essentially said in the greedo scene or could be said in the greedo scene well let's assume they weren't reshooting things in 1976 mm. so and that's what happens with the eye of Oh God, I'm, I'm gonna get the name right. I'm good. You know what, folks? I'm gonna get the name right. I don't care. I'm gonna get it right. The Eye of Webbish Bog. Yes, I think that's it. Is that it? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I got it right. Take that, Mackenzie. I got it right. Um, when the Eye of Webbish Bog ha- thing happens, I I understand because everything that's said in that scene is essentially repeated with Palpatine. It is. And so, it's- like. It it just, it doesn't, it's just kind of
2: like, oh, it's this whole, it's like, it doesn't serve a point, it serves no purpose, really. It's just, here's another cool thing.
1: But that's, but that's the thing, though, like, they should have, like, when they were filming that scene, they either should have reworked that dialogue, or they should have reworked Palpy's dialogue. Like, that's the weird thing. I don't know how you shoot two scenes with the same amount of dialogue. Like, I get it, like. Like in 1976 when you're making Star Wars For the first time I get where you're like oh wait Maybe we don't need this but in 2019 when you're making a 200 Plus million dollar film And that involves spending like probably like 15 million dollars on that one scene It's like why Did why did we need This like maybe we should have thought about This when we were filming it or when we were writing It then we wouldn't need it that Later Food for thought mm. All right, Zenger, with uh, all of my uh, deep, deep philosophical musings aside, um, would you like to wrap up this episode of The Knights of Vader? Yes, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap this bad boy up. No more uh, philosophical musings for the audience. Remember, folks, if you take too much of that, uh, make sure you call your doctor if your philosophical musings last for longer than four hours. Yes, please do. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and chances are you'll find us there waiting for you. Find us on Instagram, at Podcast. Shoot us an email, KOVpodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. I know we recently got a new iTunes review, and I know there's a question in it, but we will get to that at another point. The drought is real, folks, and we will. We are looking for content like that. If you, any, if you do have any questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, please leave them for us because we would appreciate it and we will get to them. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Cinemades and hear me on the Cinemades podcast where Rob and I talk about Prometheus and Alien Covenant as we wrap yay? up the Ridley Scott series. Do, do we yay that? Rob Rob liked Prometheus and Alien Covenant. I I really like Alien Covenant is probably like my favorite film in the series. Like, subjectively speaking. I love Alien Covenant.
2: Mm, interesting. So I haven't seen it. Um, you can of course find me every week talking about something nerdy over on my podcast, Zingness. This. That's Z-E-N-G.
1: This. Alrighty, Sanger. Good night, but not goodbye. And as always, trust always in the force
2: and never underestimate a droid
1: (laughs) Sanger say it right
3: honey never underestimate a droid thank you Carrie
0: The only thing getting back to the to the Knights of Rangers briefly, like when I get like when I start to get annoyed about them not being used, I, 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 I stop getting annoyed when I go and I think about Boba Fett. Ooh. Like Boba Fett ended up becoming arguably one of the most beloved characters in Star Wars, and the guy never did jack.
1: I I, I want to disagree with that. I, I would like, I know this is not a Boba Fett conversation, but people say that and I have seen that a lot online now. There's this weird sort of just like pushback to Boba Fett and I want to disagree. The reason why Boba Fett resonates in the culture, or at least why he resonated between Empire and Jedi, I, like first we have to just admit it's the coolest costume ever. Sure. Like It is the definition of the cool. They made a whole TV show about it Last sure. year. Okay. So what... No, no, no.
2: Mando's costume is better than, than Boba Fett. Uh, Boba Fett just, would, just looks like you he slapped would, a ton of stuff on you him. You
1: wouldn't get Mandalorian without right. Boba Fett. I like, don't disagree, like, but, and, but Mando's and,
2: is better. Mando's is better. Heard me wrong, Fine. Internet. Well, I'm I'm not going to argue with that. Um, the, But the second reason why... Anyways, yeah, Boba- next week does, on Night- I was going to say, he does not want to go into a Mandalorian con-
1: conversation right now.
2: But also, next week on Night's Evader, <laughs> that's the topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thanks. Anyways.
1: <laughs> no, but the reason why Boba Fett resonates as a character in Star Wars is that he captured Han Solo. Like, if it wasn't for Boba Fett, like, think about it, like, Han Solo was, again, along with Luke Leia and and the other characters, Han Solo was this larger-than-life character in the late 70s. So, like, you get to Empire, and you think of Han Solo as just this, like, fantastic space, like, badass. And then you see Empire, and of course, the entire theme of Empire is everything going to hell. And think about who is able to bring Han Solo to his knees. The guy who can literally get out of any problem, can talk his way, fly his way, shoot his way out of any problem, is brought to his knees by this man with no name, Space Cowboy. And it's like, it's this guy who looks the coolest thing ever. Yes, George Lucas eventually hated that so much that he killed him in the worst, like, way possible. <laughs> um, but no, I think that's, again, and again, John's entitled to his opinion. I'm not saying John can't think boba fett's no, overrated no, actually, but that's but that's the reason why i think boba fett resonates resonates so much
0: no i i actually i actually think that's a really good point i think it's happening on a very subconscious level because if you do i think you're right you make a great point and if and i could see that that would be on a subconscious level why the character resonated with so many people he did look awesome there's no doubt about that i mean from the moment that figure was revealed before we knew anything about the empire strikes back when i was a, well that's for me when i was a kid but i remember seeing that action figure and it was one of the first images we would see from the next star wars movie It was like oh my gosh he looks amazing um you're right but still if you're just t- if we were just talking about screen presence and action boba fett doesn't do anything more than knights of Ren do, even in capturing solo he's just there he's just Nobody- there in the room when but, he, when you walk in to do the dinner scene in in at the Cloud City. He's, but, just, he's just standing there, but but he's the one that finds them on the sure, back sure, of the right. Star Destroyer. Sure. No, I'll give that to you. I'll give it to you. And, yeah. and I think that's
1: why. I think okay. But I want to just bring this back to Knights of Rain.